of Financial Pizza. It's the only podcast that features clips and more from some of the best financial advisors heard on radio and in podcasts all around the country every week. We bring it all to you in 30 minutes or less. Now say hello to Chrissy Paradis, producer extraordinaire and co-host right here. Chrissy? Well, hello, Steve. Hey. I'm so happy to be here. The seasons are changing and so are are some uh, important topics that we're going to discuss. Right. Uh, We're going to hear from Coach Pete DeRuta having a, a mind-blowing game of Monopoly. That, that'll make sense when you hear it. Uh, Joe Murphy from Murphy Wealth Management's got a great clip on uh, Robert Schiller, who is a, a renowned economist, and I think you're going to like what he says. And I have a clip from Chris Longworth, Seattle-based fella, uh, who is a pretty big Seinfeld fan, and he found some examples in Seinfeld, and they all relate to financial planning. So we're going <laughs> to see what Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer can teach us about... Financial. Preparing for retirement. So uh, we both saw this story. Well, you saw one version. I saw another, I think, <laughs> about grandfluencers, right? Yes. So we're talking about, this story was about a, a 93-year-old widow, retired factory worker. She promotes herself as Grandma Droanak. Get this, 12 million followers on TikTok, 1.9 million on Instagram. She boosted her annual income by six figures. Thanks. Wow. I mean, she's doing fine in retirement at 93. I mean, she's not doing fine. She's a ball. She's balling. She is. Absolutely. That is a ton of different income streams that she's able to to get from those different social media sites, too. I mean, good for her. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not it doesn't stop with the grand fluencer. There's another generation that is breaking into the influencer space on social media as well. And uh, that's. Those folks that are, I guess they'd be Gen Xers, and we're going to hear from one really quick to set the stage. It's not 1988 anymore. We have to, as parents, realize that the economy has changed. I understand inflation. Prices always go up. But I think that lately the wages are not keeping up with how big the inflation has gotten. I went out yet again with my son to go try to find an apartment he can afford, and we just kept getting backdrops or half the places I felt like should have been condemned that he could afford. And the other half, they're wanting four times your rent. I hear all the other Gen Z's and millennials in my comments saying that they finally feel seen because I think us as Gen X, we forget that it's not the same as it is now for our kids. And we think, well, we did it so they should be able to, too. And we need to be their advocate. I didn't have kids to watch them suffer their entire life. (laughs) That that is Jessica McCabe, uh, mother of a 25 and 28-year-old that lives in Alabama. She posted that video titled, What Happened to the American Dream? And it got 10 million views. Oh, my gosh. 1.8 million likes. And she goes on to break down the differences between the time that she grew up and what her kids are facing, especially when it comes to the financial part. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective because I'm, I'm a bit old. I'm a boomer, uh, sort of at the tail end of that. But, you know, um, we're starting to hear more from Gen X. They're getting in their 40s, their early 50s. I mean, yeah. that's a, I mean that, that changes the whole landscape of, of retirement planning. Absolutely, it does. And when you think about it, too, she didn't complain about this piece of the puzzle, but 
it definitely sounds like it's there's a strain on resources for a lot of Gen Xers. We've talked about the sandwich yep. effect, uh, maybe one of your elderly parents or older parents are living with you and also maybe one of your children is back at home after college. And that's been a challenge for Gen X. So I'm glad that folks are using these social media sites to speak about how they feel. Well, you said on TikTok right now, there's a big thing trending on 401ks. Yes, 401k is a scam. Hashtag (laughs) 401k, hashtag money. And it's a little bit worrisome because these influencers are saying that there's nothing that you can you can do really to it's it's kind of the confirmation bias. Uh, they want folks to shun the tax deferred option and okay. go towards a very interesting and odd uh, alternative, I guess, in the variable. A new annuity. Does that seem logical to you? It doesn't at make all? any sense at all. I don't think so either. But this is one of the top trending. A variable annuity. Now we both know have mm-hmm. been here long enough and have heard the advisors day in day out say the only annuity I'll never sell is a variable. Right, which is even more mind blowing because they're these, these are folks that claim to be financial gurus or yeah, right. or. Uh, they 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 say they have qualifications, but there is no way, at least right now, to regulate the financial advice out there on social media, which makes shows like this, like your show, Steve, so much more important in the long run. I'm going to go in a different direction now, uh, more of a positive note on money. Um, there are approximately 16 million American families that have wealth exceeding $1 million. 16 million. That's 12% of the population. Um, That's up from 9.8 million families in 2019. Uh, The Federal Reserve said last week that the average net worth of American families topped a million dollars for the first time. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And it's actually a bigger percentage than I would have thought had you not done the math, broke it down for me. But I think about the folks in that slice of the population, when you break it down even more, it kind of feeds, goes into one of my stories, which was they released the 10 richest people in the world. Okay. And nine of the 10 people are Americans. Uh, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison. They all have either $100 billion or more. And Elon Musk is the richest person in the world right now. Uh, he, his fortune did fall by, by about a couple. I'll say a couple bil- billion. It's up. No big deal. Because he didn't. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's like I'll buy X and I'll be fine. But that is a lower number than I think. What? How many people would you have thought had over? I would have said maybe 5%, 6%, something like that. I mean, just based on the conversations that we have with advisors. Yeah. And, you know, know, there there is that whole thing out there, i got to have a million dollars to retire. Well, I mean, apparently these Gen Xers and and some millennials are getting there first. Wow. Well, I mean, hey, if you can't beat them, join them. Right. But I tell you, you know what's dying out right now is that whole fire movement. Oh, the financial independence retire early That's movement. That's the one, yeah. They're, if you look around, it's kind of gone by the wayside. Because some of these folks that retired really young, they don't know what to do with themselves. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I could only imagine that 
it sounds great in theory. It was one it of those does. those ideas that I think maybe died on the vine in terms of the practicality and long-term viability were lacking from the jump. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, haunted houses. Let's talk some haunted houses. Oh, I know we just passed Halloween. Um, and did you know there are only four states, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and Minnesota, actually address the idea of paranormal activity in the context of a home sale? So there's only only four states. If there's been something going on, they got to be told. It's so... I cannot believe that you brought this up. When I lived in Nevada, when I lived in Las Vegas, I worked with a gentleman named Clay Baker, and he was fascinated by this exact this exact issue because there's a website that uh, you could figure out who lived in your house before you and if there were any hauntings oh, for different states. Uh, but it couldn't be used to tank the sale. Okay. And there were only a few exceptions, and they added one more to the list in New England because, I mean, it seems like they're, they might, let's be honest, ghosts are probably in every state. Oh, yeah, sure. In they every are. country. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, but, you know, you could get a cheaper house maybe in one of those states if they have to recognize it legally. Well, yeah, and it says in every state, uh, neither seller nor agent can misrepresent the home's history if they're asked. How many people ask? I, I mean, mean I've, I've bought a few houses in my life, and, and I've never asked that question. You've never asked, is this on Is a, house haunted? It makes me think that a lot of folks would just kind of glaze over, oh, okay, yeah, this here's the specs of the house, here's what you want. And only if you're prompted, hey, what happened here? Who lived here before us or whatever? Would you have to share that story? So it's like you, both sides have to be forthcoming. But what's the worst thing that could happen? You just, you know, have a new roommate. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk this. You know, you're a millennial, right? Uh, yes. Oh, I boy. <laughs> so now, uh, guess who's coming back? I'll tell you what, my daughters... Couldn't have, could have to have it. This is the second concert that I ever went to. Really? I went to Backstreet Boys for the first concert. Oh, of course you did. Same year, in 1993, they came to the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Britney Spears was supposed to be headlining, but she, you know, her, messed up her ankle, so she did not perform. But I got to see NSYNC perform. And let me tell you, in, I've been to plenty of concerts since then. They were fantastic. Entertainers? They really are. All of them. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited. I, so, I don't even think they ever left the here's, scene. Here's the thing. A change.org petition, believe it or not, uh, started back in September demanding that NSYNC's record company send them on tour citing their timeless hits and unforgettable dance routines. Um, you know, what, is uh, just, Justin Timberlake going to be there? That, that to me, would be the, he's the closer, right? Yeah. He, he's the person you need to have. And he focused on his solo career for a long time, but I remember in many interviews he had always left that door open, mm -hmm. and he never left the band with the intention of blowing up to be the solo artist that he was, but... 
I would love, I would, I would pay for a ticket. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't pay Taylor Swift prices. No, I don't think anybody would do that. But I would love to see them perform again. They're gonna, they're trying to, they're gonna re- release their first single in more than twenty years. Uh, it's going to be featured in Trolls Band Together. Now, if you remember the first Trolls movie, that was uh, there was a Justin Timberlake song. Um, I got this feeling. That's from that movie. Whoa! And so now they're going to do it. I think there's a connection. That's full circle. That's like that is they're thinking about the long game. They said, okay, we brought you in, JT. Now we yeah. have to get the rest of of your 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 bros and finish this out That's the right. right way. That is incredible. Oh, I'm so excited. All and right. It kind of goes hand in hand with one more story that I had, which was that of uh, a favorite Christmas song. So it has been almost 30 years since Mariah Carey released this jam. And Mariah is still reaping the benefits from this instant classic. She's pulling in an estimated 2.5 million in royalties each year just from this anthem. Just this song. Just this, yep, just this song. So Mariah is doing good still. This is the song that signals the beginning of the holiday season, November 1st at 12.01 a.m. every year. All right, well, good. I could start playing it. Yeah, you should play it. Play it until we get to new to the new year, and you've got to start decorating. Get a Mariah poster in here. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, we got to get to some advisors here before we run out of time. Um, so uh, to do that, let's start with America's Wealth Coach, best-selling author, Coach Pete Deruta. In this clip, Coach, along with Thomas Lipscomb and Morgan Patrick, they're discussing a high-stakes cutthroat game of Monopoly. Like playing Monopoly, go go fill the whole block up with the. Uh... Well, those are, those are the greenhouses, right? Greenhouse, Red Hotel. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. The hotels That's what it was. Red. I haven't played Monopoly in forever. When's the last time you played? Wow, I probably two two winters ago. Okay, two winters win. ago. Yeah. Did you play a real board game? Or you play online? No, no, no play we played the now? real board game, and yep. I, nice. I played with a, 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 a you know. A, and a really, really nice friend of mine and yep. their their family, and they had one kid who was making up his own rules, and I'm like, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, it was always one. We are going by the rules, yep. and who won? I did. Oh, see, Morgan said uh, the rules so, that he won. Okay, so here here's one that'll set people off who are listening to us. So, Morgan, d- does all the money go into the pot for free parking or not? All the money? Mm. Like all what? What do you want? So, so, all uh, the fine money. All yeah, the fine yeah, money. the fine money. Yeah. yeah, fine money goes into free parking. Okay. Nice. Where does it go in your house, Thomas? <laughs> well, some people say you don't have anything at all on free parking. That is simply just an open square and that you, and that all the fines don't pile up on it. So it's, it's one of those. It's free parking. So where, why is there a fine? Uh, in like what, what are they called Morgan community chess cards and stuff like that they yeah, have yeah, yeah. there are taxes involved if you own properties and you're, you're so instead you of it going to, to the, the bank you can let it pile into free parking and so if you land there whoever lands there gets the cash played that well, game maybe yeah. that's a rule we didn't play yeah, yeah exactly there free you parking, go exactly. You have any, we were happy because you didn't lose any money you didn't land on somebody's <laughs> property so, so you're saying you had to draw a community chess card when you went to free parking no it, it's just if, if any fines were uh, collected from community chess cards and stuff like that instead of paying it to the bank you'd pay it to the free parking so oh, the so only 
like money you built up a the... separate pile, and whoever landed in free parking also mm-hmm. got a benefit. And if you had if you had a boardwalk or one of those things, and then you landed on free parking, you could hotel it up in one turn. <laughs> Wait, you could put hotels on free parking? No, no, on boardwalk though. By landing, like say you landed on free parking, and all of a sudden you come into three thousand oh, dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Buy a few hotels, put them on well, your property. You know, these days, maybe back then it wasn't as special, but these days, any free parking is worth its weight in gold. You know, I went to school at Carolina. Morgan, you did too. Oh, wow. You know, remember, we could park almost, I mean, it was it was easier to park back in the 80s, wasn't it? Well, it was, but it they got- It was a game. They got smart. They put, they put some meters in there, yeah. and if you didn't have mm. your pass for your parking, uh, they, they, they find you. I had a friend that gave out the parking ticket. Well, you didn't mm. give them out. He wrote them up. He wrote up parking tickets to people, so I asked him for a couple blank ones. Oh, really? <laughs> and I put them on my car windshield, right? And it looked like I already had a ticket. Oh, that's good. Coach B's financial advice. That's good. <laughs> From the 80s. Clever. <laughs> Write a book. I like it. <laughs> so it's just, uh, I mean, we look at, we, we were talking about before the show, if we can put medical terms to financial terms, we had a little fun with that. Financial hypertension. Financial heartburn. You get any financial heartburn looking at your uh, statements sometimes? Yes. <laughs> How about a financial heart attack? I don't want one of those. That's when you turn the TV on and something bad really happened and, yeah. and there's a negatives all over the screen, like talking about thousand dollars. Well, it's that financial pornography we talk about all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you start following it, you can't turn away from it. Financial constipation. Mm. It's like having too much money in one place, you can't move it, so to speak. Right? Well, That's you right. won't let yourself. I mean, something, something. You need a catalyst. You're stuck. You need a catalyst. <laughs> How about financial depression? Oh, that's Ooh, good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Financial epic. <laughs> that's when you lose money. Okay, I was going a little bit over. But anyway, uh, financial fat grams. What if, what if your financial? Because nowadays, when you go into even a restaurant or they, even on the menu, they show you all the you know, what, oh, how sure. good it is or bad it is yeah, for you. Yeah. What if before you bought something, you like financially, you you could see how good or bad it was, and then historically, what it's done for other people. That's I like that. Good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And so that was, uh, you know, these are just financial diet. That's when you stop spending mm-hmm. as much as you were. You get used to spending. Slip just like you get used to eating, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, but again, I still come back to the fact where it's very important to combine all your financial products and strategies into sure. the main goal. And what is the main goal, you think, of, of putting money away to begin with? Right. You want to you wanna be able to enjoy your retirement when you yeah. get there. So yeah. you, you plan well. Uh, you, you plan well before you get to retirement. Uh, and you work with a fiduciary that's going to not yep. only walk you to retirement store, get you all the way to the end. Exactly. I mean, so it's not just starting. It's having you start with the end in mind, we say, but no one ever wants the end to come. Sure. So life is a journey, not a destination. Once we get to the destination, well, gosh, it's over. Yeah. If the destination is what we think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that our financial strategies will continue to pay our family even when we're not here. And we talked about a strategy a couple of weeks ago, how to turn taxable pennies into tax-free dollars. And a lot of people wanted to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Utilizing life insurance concepts, getting, getting the ability to have a long-term care policy built into your life insurance policy you don't have to pay for, mm-hmm. for a, separate, a separate long-term care policy. In other words, taking your death benefit or some of your death benefit for your life insurance mm-hmm. for you and using that to pay for your long-term care if you ever need to go to long-term care. In other words, if you have a million-dollar life insurance policy and the long-term care stay for a year would be $100,000, you just call the insurance company and say, hey, give me $100,000 out of my death benefit. I'm going to use it tax-free to pay for my long-term care. That makes sense. A lot of people have never heard of that. Well, they don't, they don't know to ask the questions. Right. And right. So yeah. sit down, educate yourself. Being educated, being informed puts you ahead of the curve many times. 
Well, it sure does. Uh, Coach Pete, Financial Safari, that's the show. You can uh, t- text Pete to, uh, you can text Pizza to 600-700. You can find the show weekends in Raleigh-Durham on 106.1 FM Talk. Only a visionary like Coach Pete could go from monopoly to free parking to financial hypertension to this turning taxable pennies into free tax Tax-free. Tax-free dollars, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Only Coach Pete. Sure. So um, let's go to Joe Murphy now. Mr. Robert Schiller. Steve, are you familiar with Robert Schiller? Have I you am, heard of him? yes. Okay, so this guy, for a radio audience that may not be familiar, he is an economist. He is Ivy League all over the place. He is a Nobel uh, Prize winner in, in economics. This guy actually has an economic indicator in real estate named after him, the Schiller Case Index. Right. So this guy, yeah. yeah, this guy's got a lot of credentials and he's got a lot of track record. But he wrote a book and he's been really pumping something called narrative economics. Steve, have you ever heard of narrative economics? Not until we talked about it just a bit ago. Okay, so it's trying to understand economic changes or major economic events by not only just looking at data or numbers, but looking at the story behind it. And, and one of the examples that he used, Steve, that I absolutely love was Bitcoin is a perfect example of narrative economics. Great Back description. When Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, exactly. And back when Bitcoin first started emerging, um, if you saw people that were buying Bitcoin and the price obviously went from zero to hero and one of the fastest we've ever seen in this country or in this world, the price appreciation was ridiculous. That didn't just get fueled because Bitcoin was a great vehicle. That was fueled by narrative economics, the word of mouth. It went viral. And if you asked 100 people to explain Bitcoin and how it worked, 99% of them could not do it. That's not good or bad, but what it exemplifies is how word of mouth and how our stories and how we relate to each other as human beings really can have a major impact on economic trends. So if we look back at you know the, the Great Depression, which Mr. Schiller studied, um, you know we saw the excess of the 20s, the roaring 20s. Um, people were buying stocks and just making obscene amounts of money. There was excess all over the place. People started down talking it, saying, this is folly, this is stupid, this doesn't make any sense, something bad's gonna happen. The next thing you know, we almost wished ourselves into one of the most massive, the Great Depression and one of the most massive corrections in market history. Is that tied together or correlated perfectly? No, but if you look at some of Mr. Schiller's events like Bitcoin and how human beings and our stories and how we share and relate can really fuel or put an end to an asset class or an idea or a vehicle, it's absolutely amazing. And I found it fascinating. Um, to me to read right and this is the second time I read it but the second time I read it was was Bitcoin and 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 that to me was the big catalyst to say you know what Mr. Schiller probably has something here because if you think about Bitcoin in its essence it's it's innovative it's it's very complex it's a mathematical theory and people became really excited about it but Steve why do you think people became excited about Bitcoin was it the way it worked or maybe someone made a little bit of money that they knew and they told them about it. That's, How do you think it went I down? I think it was a combination. And I think part of it, too, is just our fascination with something that's so new. We've never exactly. heard of this before. And it's, it's not it's regulated. A, 
it's a revolutionary way of using currency. Right. So the way of the future, you want to be a part of the future. Bitcoin is it. I don't want to miss the boat. That was the story. I mean, that was the story. story. That was it. Yep, and there was there was FOMO, that fear of missing out, yep. and there was also some called YOLO, you only live once, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and a lot of people went all in, but that explains to me the fuel that that caused that parabolic, ridiculous up craze in, in prices in Bitcoin when it was approaching its highs. And now we've seen it come back to earth a little bit. We're getting a little bit of oomph. Is it the future? We don't know. But the stories, the human stories are what really drove that. And economists throughout history, Steve, have shied away from any type of emotion in economics. It's just not something that these guys consider. You know, they're wearing their glasses. They're studying their statistics. They're not taking into account human beings and our ability to convey and our ability to pump each other up or our ability to bring each other down down. And I think that is a very important ingredient in analyzing, especially for us here, because we don't sit here and study statistics all day long. If you really want to hit a good stock, the best thing that you can do is get in front of what? The biomass. You have to be one of the first guys in. How do you do that? If you can study human behavior, look at the trends that are happening. That is the oomph that maybe, you know, a one bagger on a stock, maybe, you you know, you make 10% or, you know, you hit a 10 bagger. The emotion that drives these stock prices is something that you can better predict, I think, than the actual statistics that, you know, the Fed economists are using, you know, to talk about inflation or interest rates or what's going on with their economy. I'm more in the camp now of looking at this narrative economics and really looking at human behavior as a higher impact than economic economists have given it credit for. Does that make sense to you, Steve? It makes perfect sense. Narrative economics, now that, I mean, again, thinking about things in a different way, that's how we learn. And that's what I'm doing, I'm learning. Yeah, I mean, look, taking stories seriously, it's important when predicting what's next for our economy. And now with the advent of computers, technology, phones, we have more data than ever to analyze. And we can learn through market research, looking at social media, gathering information from internet searches. Technologies can help uh, evolve how economists look and predict future events. So maybe we can have a better degree of accuracy in the future, Steve, when it comes to predicting some of these massive events that we've had in the past. Mr. Schiller is on record. He predicted the tech bubble. So this guy knows what he's talking about. In 2000, he was out hollering, saying these tech information stocks, this is bubbled out. A human human emotion is driving these asset prices way above where they should be. And he accurately predicted that. He also accurately predicted the real estate crash. He was out there hooting and hollering back in 2006, saying these prices are too high. These prices are too high. And what he studied from that trend and that event of that real estate crash was he saw a thought change. People started thinking, hey, you know what? These prices are too high. You know, maybe we almost thought ourselves into a housing correction. But it's an interesting theory. I wanted to bring it up. And if you do get an opportunity and you're a dork like me, check out the book Narrative Economics by Robert Schiller. And again, Narrative Economics, I've got a link to it at the bottom of this podcast. You can find it. It's on Amazon. It's cheap. And it's a good read. I mean, that that whole almost anthropological or uh, deep dive into the 
spending. I mean, he Joe Murphy never ceases to amaze me. He's just a brilliant fella, and he is not a nerd. He, like he called himself. I know. He is so intelligent, and he is the kind of guy that you want on your team. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah. again, I mean, he's uh, he's on every Sunday at uh, WIND Chicago. Also, you can find the podcast wherever you get a podcast on his website, which is mwmfinancial.tax. To close things out, we're going to visit Seattle, where Chris Longworth takes the hot seat to explore a few classic Seinfeld moments that focused on investing in financial planning on the latest episode of The Money Professor. We're going to take a few quotes from Seinfeld, and we're going to put you, Chris, in the hot seat as to how each of these clips relates to the world of financial planning and preparing for retirement. You ready to you know, dive Chrissy, in? This is, one of the, this is one of the best things I love about television is that it does emulate life. and. Yes. Uh, a lot of times what we see on on sitcoms is that question that we all have in our mind, but are afraid to ask or afraid to explore. And so that's why I love these things. And they, they again, it is entertainment, but it has a shred of truth to it. And it does give us a relatability that we can apply to our daily life. And it's that aha moment if we if we allow it to be. So, yeah, let's dive in. Let's have some fun. All righty. I'm getting it. You're getting what? A stock. What stock? My friend Simons. He knows this guy. He made a fortune in the stock market. Now he's got some new thing. He wasn't even supposed to say anything. You guys should think about doing this, too. How high is it supposed to go? I don't know. But Simon said that if I wanted to get involved, he would tell me the exact right minute to sell. Do you want to do it? What kind of company is it? Well, Sendrax. Some sort of electronic thingy. It's gone up three points since I've been watching it. What if I lose it? Come on. We'll do it together. Come on. All right. So that is George Costanza and Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> considering investing in a stock George learned about by a friend of a friend. And that's like, you know, the per, the proverbial my brother's uncle's cousin told right? me, right? And and Jerry has some some reservations about it. He's like, "What if I lose money?" And George encourages him yeah. to do it with him. Just do it. Come and on. Chris, this feels so familiar to how folks hear about a hot stock tip and jump on it with no real knowledge of the product possible outcomes, plan of action, uh, besides maybe the prospect of a big payday in the future. What are your thoughts about this clip? This is this is the greatest example of where peer pressure, you know, somebody you know, somebody you respect, somebody you like is doing something and they might not have full knowledge of what they're doing, but they're already committed to it and they want everyone they know to join in and commit to it as well. And that's where the emotional piece comes in. I mean, you don't want to disappoint your friend. You don't want to be left out. Mm -hmm. It's the, you know, fear of being left out and fear of missing out yeah, and all those things. I mean, all that stuff is real emotional play that the marketplace really does put in place. And so we have to separate ourselves from that. But this is what is happening here. We're watching Jerry get emotionally wrapped into this and and he's being coerced by his his good friend to come on, just join in. Come on, it can't get hurt, right? What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. Right? And actually, the next clip features Jerry and Kramer discussing this hot stock that George presented Jerry with in the previous clip. Bad news, my friend. What? What news? Zen tracks. Oh, come on. It's down again. Two and a half points. Well, this is it. I'm selling. Just give it a little more time. I never should have gotten involved with this. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm not cut out for investing. Chris, what are it's your thoughts? I mean, how often? To everyone listening right now, have you ever had that 
pang of, of anxiety that you bought something and it's it's depreciating quickly before your eyes. You're watching your investment disappear. I, yeah, yes. it, it makes you <laughs> nervous. I mean, that's the whole point. And, and this is why, you know, we really have to have a, a foundation of, of understanding, a deeper knowledge of what are we doing and what are we investing in? Why are we investing in it? What is your intention for that investment? What do we expect from that investment? And what do we expect it to do for us? What must it do? Those are all the questions that one really has to explore before you can start really investing in anything that that has risk involved to it. And then that's the other side is, how do you feel about that? And mm-hmm. it's just like Jerry said, I'm a nervous wreck. It's making, it's tearing me up. I, I can't, heart. you know, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. And I mean, he's true. That's why most people don't pay attention. They turn it over to a broker mm-hmm. who is a salesman of sorts, and they will take care of it. That way you don't have to worry about it. Think about it. They'll take care of you. How's that working <laughs> out for you, right? Yeah. Oh, it's and it holds so true because that panicking that Jerry is experiencing, I I think everybody can relate to a, a little totally. bit at one time totally. or another. Rapping right now, uh, right? right now. I was gonna, I'm, I'm, I was gonna Chrissy, say, there's so many uh, examples. Right now, we're doing reviews with folks that are literally five years away from retirement, and they are. They one couple was actually almost panicking because they could see that steadily each quarter they're losing money in their investments, and they're not happy about it. And then it'll 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 jump back up and then it'll, it'll go back down. It'll jump back up and then it'll go back down a little farther and then it'll jump up and never get back to where it was and then jump down a little farther. And this constant, you know, bumping up and down is enough to make anybody nervous. But if you're that close to retirement, I can certainly understand how it would really make you question, you know, what are we doing? And that's what they were doing. They were questioning themselves at this point. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Sure. And literally the wife turned to me and she said, Chris, do you think we're crazy? (laughs) You know, and I had to chuckle. It's like, no, but you're trapped. You're stuck in that psychotic mode of investing where you're doing the same thing over and over again, Mm -hmm. expecting a better result each time. We got to break that. You got to break that psychosis. You got to get out of that type of mentality and learn what the truth and facts are. And then again, focus on, just like yesterday's meeting, focusing on the intention of the money. What must the money do? Well, for this couple, it had to provide and maintain quality of life. They really enjoy the quality of life that they're living right now. They wanna carry that over into their retirement. So we're simply building a plan that will facilitate that and actually guarantee that event to happen. So now that they are making this adjustment, they're going to be free of their mind. There'll be peace of mind for them in the fact that what we're doing will provide more than they need, actually, by the calculation. And so now they have the pileup effect in their future waiting for them. And what better place could you could you plan a retirement income, right? Right. I mean, he is all about truth and facts and right. defending your wealth. And it's it's interesting that this was mirrored in a meeting that he had just prior to right. our discussion. It's amazing. You can get in touch with Chris Longworth and the team at Financial Education Group by calling 800-719-7917 and tune in to The Money Professor in Seattle on KIRO, Kiro, uh, Saturdays at 8 a.m. or get the podcast 
on any platform that you subscribe to. He he said something there, and and, and I've I've got an advisor uh, who's often heard here, Eric Carney, who says, you know, what he was talking about, the purpose of your money. And very simply, purpose determines placement. Absolutely. What is the intention? What does it need to do? It's it's probably the most important piece of that puzzle of knowing your why, knowing why you're placed or why you're placing money where you are and what the outcome needs to be. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, boy, we're going to have to wrap it up. It's episode 206, Financial Pizza. It is uh, ready to go. Uh, If you want Financial Pizza delivered to you every week, just subscribe to it. We'll put it in your podcast collection. You can reach any of the advisors by calling them direct 800-662-6808 or just text pizza to 600-700. I want to thank Kristen again for hanging out with me and, and just really being a part of the show. Thank you, Steve. This is the highlight of my week. Well, mine too. And again, we really appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Financial Pizza. Pizza. Coach P Radio. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruta or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Individuals should thoroughly review the contract for specific details of the product features and costs. Income payments and withdrawals from deferred annuities are generally taxable as ordinary income in the year they are taken. Money management is provided by Equus Capital Management. Equus is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in San Rafael, California. Investment advice by Capital Financial Advisory Group, LLC, a North Carolina-registered investment advisor. Insurance advice given by Capital Financial and Insurance, a North Carolina-licensed insurance agency.